This is the Unscripted Podcast. All right, we're glad you guys joined us today. Today we're talking about a church that had so many problems, even homosexuality, and even had a guy sleeping with his father-in-law's wife. Were they still called faithful? Stick around. The Unscripted Podcast. Hey, if you have ever heard anybody read everything in your church bulletin from the pulpit for the welcome and the announcements, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, you got to love those uh, 17 minute announcements. I know, because you're, you're sitting there, if you're preaching, you're looking at your watch and you're like, they printed that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They can I know, read that. I, I know churches. <laughs> they're like, hey, why why are we why are we reading the bulletin every right. Sunday morning? Right, and we and, announce it, we play it on the on the screen, we print it, and then you want to read it too. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, push it. Yeah, it's like just say hello and let's get at it. You know. Yeah, yeah. So today we're talking about how messed up can you really be and still be called faithful. And so we're going to look at some examples, and we're looking at a at a unique church. So when you think about, you know, so for example, we've got a group. Uh, I've seen you chime in on it before that we created on um, a friend of mine, Patrick Atkins, created the group, and yeah, Church of Christ Sound Congregation Finders. Finder, and yeah. It's on Facebook, yeah, and and it's just it's it's a group where if you're traveling or if you're going somewhere or you know, we're thinking about moving or I got somebody that's here or whatever that you can get on this group and you can say, Hey, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, there's a, uh, is there a, is there a, church, a faithful church in Hattiesburg, mm-hmm. Mississippi? Or what about Abilene, Texas? Or yeah, wherever. yeah. Wherever, you know, name it. Right. Yeah. And the idea behind it was just a directory, mm-hmm. you know, just a directory of, of places. And, and the reason why I ended up as an admin is because at that time I was on the Eastern seaboard, you know, just centrally located. I knew a lot of the churches up in that part of the country. Yeah. And so I could just recommend, you know, just about every city or at least one close by. Well, you know, the, the idea behind that was that nobody was setting themselves up to be the determinant factor for what's a faithful church. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so, so you don't, it doesn't have to go through an admin to determine whether this church is there's yeah, a church. Chris in, and Patrick don't decide who's yeah and Cheyenne, Wyoming, you know the the 13th Street Church of Christ or whatever. Mm-hmm. Are they a faithful church? It, that, that's not open for me to determine. Yeah, right? because when we talk about faithfulness, we still have got to realize that the Lord is the one that holds the key to those things. That's right. And and either and so I guess the. To purpose this whole video and and kind of anything that well, anything that we say on here, we strictly go by by God's word, and either Christ has the authority, the Bible's the authority for us in our lives, and and so it should be the authority for the church today, and 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 with that, we uh, we're just going to go by things that are that are written in the Bible, and and not according to man's creeds or doctrines, or or man's opinions. And go, so, go ahead and turn to Second Opinions, Chapter Two. Where is that at? Exactly. Like and when you, when you ask, it's right beside First Opinions. It's like Carson uh, on uh, uh, what was it last Wednesday night? Yeah. You know, and I was like, turn to that verse. It's not in there, you know. And he was looking right. frantically, you know. Now he's feeling the pressure, you know. But right. well, it's not in there. 
you know, it was a trick question, yeah, right? There is no right. book of a second opinions, right? Mm-hmm. And and what's your what's your the, the problem is is that far too often my opinion becomes gospel. Yeah. My opinion of what I think the standard of faithfulness is becomes gospel. If you actually read the seven churches in the book of Revelation, you know, two, three, mm-hmm. and four, you know, the Lord said he he's 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 kind of issuing this edict to them of these things that you need to tighten up on. If not, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. You won't be a church anymore. You won't be. You're just a social club at that point, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know when the Lord removes lampstands. I mean, I don't. I don't try to hold those things as far as you know what exactly you know is a faithful church and what is not but there are certainly things that aren't mm-hmm. right right and there are certainly things that that would absolutely ex- explicitly disqualify us i say disqualify but but you know that's a term that paul used you know and and so when we think about these things we got to think about if we're going to be the church that's so the only way we know about god is how well, you, you got the main way is through his word. For through sure. the Bible. That's yeah. that's the only origin of God's word now, mm-hmm. right? Anything else is, is extra biblical. It's written based on biblical documents, yeah. right? The only way we know about Pilate, aside from one inscription on a piece of stone in the Colosseum they found, is from the Bible. The only way we know where Jesus' origins were, where he where he was born at, where he was where he prophesied, you know, all those things are from the Bible, mm-hmm. right? So the only way that we can call ourselves Christians is if we do what the Bible says. So the only way that we can say that we're a church is we've got to do what the Bible says. Yeah, a church of Christians. Yeah, exactly. a church right. of Christians. And so you look at the modern kind of um, look at religion and the modern kind of stance on religion is basically – I can still do whatever I want, and I'm still a church. Yeah, yeah, and, and so we addressed that. I, what a couple podcasts ago? Um, you know, when you talked about the four quadrants there, people and what they believe, and uh, and so yeah, so certainly we 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 got to be people who are who are following the Bible, who follow God's word. And so when you think about this, right? So let's just think about if if you're Satan, okay, and Let's pick on Ben. Let's say Ben's Satan, all right? All right. So Looks like Satan. <laughs> Enticing. I know it. He's all cute. I know. The girls love it. We need a Ben cam. I know. Well, no, actually we don't because our averages are still pretty high, you know, with without Ben in it. Yeah. And But let's just say that, that Ben over here is Satan, and you're going to attack the church. Right? That's what he's after. Let's just face it. He's after the church because he's not after the world. He's already got the world, so he's after the church. Mm-hmm. So the church begins when? You asking me where yeah. at in the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, Acts 2. Yeah, and that was on the day of? Pentecost. In what city? Uh, in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. So it begins biblically recorded in Acts 2. The city was Jerusalem, and the day was Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So when the church begins on Pentecost, there you have the first, you know, 3,100 and some people that are that are Christians, right? right? You right. have the first 100 and change. And then you have the 3,000, you know, or give or take there in Acts 2 and verse 41 that become Christians. Yeah. And so from that point forward, Satan is after the church. Mm-hmm. You know, Acts 8, you know, breathing havoc against the church, you know, all those things. You know, no matter what, Saul was the one that's recorded there. Right. But it's Satan at yeah. its origin. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to, 
if I'm going to try to divide the church, if I'm going to try to get the church, so in, in a modern sense, what do you find, Bob, is one of the greatest divides between the biblical doctrine of salvation and the denominational doctrines of salvation? Well, when, yeah, when it comes to salvation, just this whole idea that, that people are, are taking some scriptures out of context and just saying that it's all you have to do is ask Jesus into your heart for salvation so, and, and so they leave out baptism. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, you know, right. baptism is is the dividing line, sure. right, between the biblical narrative of salvation right. and most other denominational um, stances on where the pattern, you know, the way that men are saved are from. Yeah. Well, if I'm Satan, you know, I would think that that would be the att- the attack, right? Because if I can't get people saved, then I ain't got to worry about the church, right. right? But you think about this: the Lord said. So let's dig a deep on this in a minute. The Lord said, Matthew 24, 35, the heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will not. Mm-hmm. It'll never go away. So he knew as long, just as long as the word was here, there were always going to be people that would obey it. And I don't know how few. I mean, Noah's day, it got down to eight, right. Right? right? But when somebody obeys the gospel, Acts 2 and verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, those, Those who are, are being saved. Yeah. So when somebody obeys the gospel, they're saved, and they're part of the the church. The church. Right. So Satan is after that group of people. So you think about this idea that that Satan knows that God's word is what is what changes men's lives. That's why he changes God's word. He did yeah, it. With he's Eden. always wanting to suppress it or undermine it. You know, take it. Take it. Uh, I was looking at. Um, yeah, just just take ripping out. Uh, if if he can't, he can't destroy Christ. So he can't destroy the foundation, but what he can do is he can try to cut out from underneath that foundation. So what is the first? So if you're if you're after the church, isn't it a one of the greatest tactics then that he can employ is essentially smoke and mirrors, right? You can you can give it the the semblance the the it could resemble the church in some way, but not be the church, right? And the first thing that he attacked the church on on a on a grand scale was its leadership just the organization of the church right i mean he attacked it from the stance of of in the beginning you find that all churches are autonomous mm-hmm. so all churches if if and we, explain autonomous to our believers too okay so autonomy means that i'm separate and apart from so you think about the the kw church there's there's KW Church, and let's just talk about the, you know the Hattiesburg Church, right? Mm-hmm. There's two congregations here in in you know there's Hattiesburg is what ten minutes from us here up the road or something yeah, like that, right? So if if we take a tangent as a congregation and we decide that we're not going to follow the biblical narrative, then it will not affect the Hattiesburg Church. They are autonomous. They have to make their own decisions about about when they're going to meet, uh, how they're going to serve the community, how they're going to... How- yeah, for instance, they they decide that right now they're not worshiping on Sunday nights. Right. They, they, they make that decision. Yeah, and so they have to make those decisions. And now they don't get a decision with the realm of Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's only opinion. Yeah. So it's it's how we're going to serve. Well, we look at it and we say we're going to have our benevolence program. Enters in hunk of hunk of burning love being right. Mm-hmm. So what they they don't do that there. It's not that that's a a biblical requirement. There is no you know benevolence chapter. Right. 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 Yeah. But 
so autonomy just really means that a church is is rises and falls on its own merit. So that's mm-hmm. why you see the Lord writing to the church at Philadelphia, writing to the church at Sardis, mm-hmm. writing to the church at you know Laodicea. Right. He's not he's not writing to the to the council of yes of a, of somebody or to this uh, what would you call it um, synod or convention. Yeah, or, that's right, mm-hmm. to a convention of people or to this board of leaders. You know, and so. He's writing to the church, and so certainly, you know, Satan's going to try to attack church leadership today. And when you when you think about it, you know, one man can be one man can be swayed That's right. by a lot of different things. Whether it's it's money, uh, lust that he may have, a man can be swayed by. Certainly, men can be swayed by their bellies. You know, Whoa. whether whether food, <laughs> you know, the key to a man's heart is through his stomach. You know, I've heard that said so many times. But so one man can be corrupted, one man can be you know pushed into a certain one man can be intimidated, mm-hmm. so he can be swayed. Well, but if you put if you put a group of you put a group of people together, and then you put a group of men as far as leadership, the Bible we can't change we can't change what the Bible says. The Bible is very explicit about about what an elder in the church is. He's to be the husband of one wife. That makes him a man, right? And so. And there's First Timothy three and Titus chapter one are very explicit in laying out those qualifications. That's right. And and it's for what reason? Well, if if you if you don't have it right in your leadership, Christ is the head of the church. That's right. If we don't have Christ is not right, then then it all trickles down. So then if his leaders aren't aren't right, if they can't lead in the in the proper way, then it's all going to trickle downhill, and uh, and so it it all flows down. So if you make a decision, so. Let's go back 2,000 years, right? And let, let's just look at 3 John 9. Yeah. And, and, that's a, and, and as, we're, as we're turning there, um, the, the point that I was trying to make is, is, is the Bible is very clear about that there are to be multiple, there are to be elders in the church. That's right. And there, there's to be, um, you know, the, Philippians 1 is a, is a very structured, gives us the, the structure of the church that, you know, to the to the saints, well, that's the Christians, you know, who were in Philippi with the the elders and the deacons, with the bishops and the deacons, bishop, elder, um, presbyter, presbyter, right, overseer, that's right, shepherd. So, uh, so the, all those words go to, go together, and that, and so you have that that structured church. Well, certainly they set up elders in, in every city, and so if the one pastoral ship, it's not scriptural. So Satan's original attack on the church was to divide the leadership. Because if you can get if you can make a departure from the leadership, from the from the organizational structure of the church, you think about this. You're not after the world, you've got the world, you're after the church. And we look at this as a play like why didn't they change the doctrine? Why didn't they change the you know, get it to you know, like we're at today, where where we have to have the serious discussion about what baptism is for, where it wouldn't have been, it would have been undisputed for generations in the church in its infancy, but what became a bone of contention is is you see it even bubbling up in John's epistle. Look, look at here, Third John nine. Uh, it says, "I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, did not receive us." Verse 11, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. 
He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and truth from himself, and we also bear witness, and you know our testimony is true. So look at verse 10 and what he does. Now, Bob, is it a scriptural? This will help us roll into the church that's got problems, right, that we talked about, that you mentioned in our beginning. Is it a scriptural thing to do? Do we have authority to withdraw fellowship from somebody. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have a we have we have biblical evidence and we have scriptural authority to do those things. You also have scriptural purpose to have the fellowship to begin with. That's right. <laughs> so then in verse 10, let's look at what Demetrius, I mean um Diotrephes has done. Diotrephes says, therefore if I come, I will call to mind his deeds which he does, prating against us with malicious words. So he's He's trash talking John and whoever else he right, would include. The apostles. In, yeah, whoever else he would include in that group. Uh, and and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to be putting them out of the church. So you're taking a, a scriptural precedence. Is it scriptural to, to withdraw fellowship from somebody? And, yes. and it, no, uh, I don't know if you said it in – you said that kind of quick – He's forbidding those who wish to what receive the brethren, brethren, and so then he's putting them out of the church. Yeah, yeah. So, so it is a scriptural thing to withdraw fellowship from somebody, mm-hmm. but this guy is using a scriptural precedence to do something unscriptural with it. Right. He's number one. He's taken the the preeminence. That means he's the he's taking himself to be the head. Right. Instead of Christ. Instead of Christ, and not the bishopry or the elder or the presbytery or the, the episcopos, you know, whichever, mm-hmm. whichever fancy word you want to put it, the folk, the, the elders, right? right? The shepherds, he's taking this on himself and say, you know what? You guys, I'm going to handle this. I'm the one that knows here. And that's what you were alluding to, right? Right. With this idea of one man, what happens with one man? What is that old saying? Like, uh, absolute power corrupts, but, but uh, or, or power corrupts, but absolute power absolutely corrupts, or something like that. Have you heard that saying before? Mm-mm. I just made it up then. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and so, you know, you're you're seeing that played out here. You know, now Diotrephes, for whatever reason, is is having this this uh, he, he gets to pick and choose who comes into the church. Well, who adds you to the church, Bob? Yeah, the Lord does. Yeah, the Lord adds you to. I know what we 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 baptized a couple back home that were in one of the denominations, and they actually had to vote on you to get in in their denomination. Well, in voting on them, they allowed the wife in, but not the husband in. Yeah, I mean, how awkward do you think that would be? Mm-hmm. You know, brother so and I mean sister so and so, and then her husband. Yeah, you know, I mean, and so so what you're seeing here is that when we depart from God's pattern, while you even think about leadership, right? Is it scriptural for a leadership to withdraw from somebody? Yes. Yes. Is it is it biblical for the, for it to be done in this way? No. No. And and you, what you're seeing is is Satan's first trump card here. Mm-hmm. Because by the time we get to the 300s, you're going to see the Council of Nicaea. There's not a Catholic church in the world that won't tell you about this because they love it. Where there was the first real market departure from Christianity. Right. Where they organized themselves under the, the Roman governmental system. And you ultimately get to see that there's this, there's this um, the market departure from the faith. And so where does it start at? With the leadership. And that's what they use to make this market departure in 315 at the Council of Nicaea. 
Well, so let's go back then. Yeah, and I had someone recently talking to me. They're like, you know, Christianity's wrong because, and they were talking about the Council of Nicaea, mm-hmm. but th- they weren't even in the church. They're like, they're looking at Christianity from the outside and like all the problems. And then they're like, hey, there's all kinds of problems with the Council of Nicaea. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, we preach about that all the time. Like that was the first major fall away. So I was like, anything that I say, don't credit it upon the, the Council of Nicaea. That's right. Because we discredit that. Yeah. And, and, and so that's the thing is like the world. So we got to remember we're talking about the church here, mm-hmm. right? People that want to do in some way, you know, there's this spiritual side of us that yearns to do what the Lord wants us to do. Yeah. But we have to, we're always fighting with this kind of fleshly side of us. That's, that's battling against it. Right. Right. And so what we then do is, is we come up with these things like the council of Nicaea was a very well-meaning thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they came together to kind of combat this Gnosticism. They come together to, to, to write this apostles creed. You know, these things that we're going to say we believe in or whatever. Well, what the, what the, the problem is is all those things is they're they're desiring to do something spiritual but yet they're gratifying the flesh because they already had something that told them exactly what they needed to do and that was the inspired script yeah and so let's go back to our 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 this idea of what a faithful faithful church is mm-hmm. so you talked about this church that had what'd you say? Had what? What'd you say? It had yeah, had so many problems. I, I do want to touch on the leadership thing. Okay, touch just, it. Just to give, just to give some of our listeners because it didn't really get to point out too much. So let's go to Acts fourteen right quick. Okay, Acts 14, 30, 34. Yeah, 23. 23. And and just to show our our listeners, it's like, hey, we're not just like throwing these things out there. Like this is not like our first and second opinions. This is this is scriptural. But so. Verse 23, so when they had appointed elders in every what, Chris? Every church. In every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So they, they put elders in, in every church. Certainly, you know, that's what Paul sent sent Titus to do as well. Yeah, Titus 2, these things, have, I mean, Titus 1, you know, these things, 1 yeah, and 2. Verse, word, verse 5, it says, for this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things, the things that, are, that lacking. are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Not not appointing one, but appointing multiple, plurality. And, and so let's let's take this one step back then. Sure. You can still be the church without elders. You can, yes. And, and so that's but, why. But and, you're going to have something that's lacking. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why verse 23, when they appointed elders in every church, they were already the church mm-hmm. before they had elders. That's right. Right? But God's plan, it's not because we need elders. Let's just appoint some guys. Yeah. Don't just put warm bodies in that position. Or these guys that may meet the qualifications, we think, or or whatever, the, or skip some of them. Because when you do that, you just tell me who gets to decide which ones we which ones we want to follow and which ones we don't. Because what we're after is becoming the people that God want us to be. Yeah. And that's and if we're going to do it, God had this plan of wisdom and how the church would be organized, and it was because of the carrying out of the work. In Acts yeah. 7, when Peter and John and these guys, I mean, uh, Peter and the apostles there, they have this problem with the Grecian widows. They appoint seven men to take care of this this uh, essentially first century soup line with the Hellenist widows there. Right. Why? So that they could get back to what needed to be done because in order for them to be God's people, they had to stick to what God needed them to do. That's right. So the leadership had a responsibility to do this. Well, 
They didn't come to to somebody that wasn't in charge. They came to the people that were divinely appointed yes. to fix the problem. And so what we've got to see is that the, the idea of leadership is about helping us to become the people that God wants us to be. Because if we're going to carry out the work of the church, if we're going to be a faithful church, we need faithful men that can direct us. And if you start out extra biblically from faith, then you've already departed. That's right. If you've got somebody that's leading your congregation outside of, of the qualifications of faith, you're, you, you've just by default done what? You're not you're not qualifying yourself as the church. You're God not, is not qualifying you as the church. Exactly. And so when you turn over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Yeah, this is what we this is what we this is how our, our intro was about is how, so the the question is, is how messed up can you really be and still be considered faithful? Do you want to read some of the problems before we read chapter one? Yeah. Let's, um, let's read that. So first of all, look at verse 10. Of, of cha- okay. Uh, of chapter 1. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. So he's pleading with them to, to do that. You get over to – What are they doing, Bob, right yeah, there? Yeah, there's there's division. They're fighting. Yeah. Right? Whatever they're, they're fighting over. They're fighting over who they should follow, right? Uh-oh. Same problem, right? right? They're fighting over leadership. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas. Or some of you say, "I'm of." Was Paul crucified for you? What? All those things. Yeah, they're they're still they're fighting. Their division is coming from who they're going to follow. Yep, three three. It it keys in on that. For you are still carnal. He's like you're still in the world. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving? What's that mean? What's carnal mean? That means that, that what you're doing is is you're walking like the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, something that eats meat is a? Carnivore. Carnivore, right? Fleshly things. And, and what happens to all flesh? It dies. Yeah, it's right? going to die. You know, the, are you not temporal then? Are you not? Temporary, yeah. Yeah, are you not somebody that's just living in the moment right now? He says, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So for one of you says I'm a Paul, another I'm a Paulus. Are you not carnal? And then so he, he goes into that. So there's there's some going. Well, I'm going to follow this guy, or I'm going to follow another. And he's like, it's not about us. It's about Christ. Then uh, chapter chapter five, verse one, he says it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles or those who are in the world. Yeah, the Gentiles always kind of are representative of like this heathen lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Peter uses it. Like you remember in times past when we walked as Gentiles, well, Peter was a Jew. He'd always been a Jew. So, yeah. so it wasn't this idea that, that the Gentiles are, are, you know, inherently going to hell. It's just, they just use it as this kind of heathen practice or whatever. Right. And he says that a man has his father's wife. So this dude's got his, that's just weird on so many ways, you yeah. know? And just think and about I don't, it. I would hope that that means he's not sleeping with his mama, but but certainly it could fall in those lines. But if you know if his mama passed away and then his dad's got Bobby, it doesn't matter because look, look what he says in verse two. And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Yeah. So whatever it is, it's horribly sinful. Yeah. I don't know if it's his mama. Or if it's his stepmama. Yeah. I don't have no idea. But whatever it is, it's something that's horribly sinful. That's right. So so it, this is uh, 
It's just it's just bad. And look at chapter six. Yep. Go ahead. Chapter six. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteousness and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, you are unworthy to judge in this. Are you unworthy to judge in the smallest matter? So now we got we got folks that are fighting over who they're going to follow. We got some old boy that's done got with his daddy's wife. We got folks in the church that are taking each other to court, right? They're fighting whatever mm-hmm. these legal matters are, you know, whatever the case may be. And 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 then even like like what is when you think about First Corinthians fifteen, what do you think about? No, I think about the resurrection. Why is he having this conversation with him for? Yeah, the, well, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Why does he need to have this conversation? Because apparently somebody's kind of duped him into thinking that there's there's that, that that the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen. So you take this group of people here at Corinth, and he says. You're fighting with each other, figuring out who you're going to follow after. You got this old boy that's got his daddy's wife. Chapter five, at the end of it, and six, you know, it goes into all this stuff. The 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 problems, you know, as such were some of you, you know, thieves, murderers, homosexuals, and you know, all these things, all this stuff that's chalked up in these in in the church over at Corinth. You're fighting with each other in legal matters. You got all these problems in yeah, your- and verse eight's another one there in verse of uh, chapter six. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren, like you're you're cheating each other, and uh, and because so, you're you're going to law against each other, and so and then then he tells them that's exactly right. Like you have all these things, the unrighteous are not going to inherit the kingdom of God, and it's just point blank. And 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 so you think you know they got a problem with their their assembly. You know, they've mm-hmm. turned the Lord's Supper into a regular old common meal. Right. They've got, you know. Chapter 11, yeah. Yeah, they got 12, 13, and 14 is all the craziness, whatever's happening in the, you know, the assembly time where apparently folks are standing up and, and you know, one's saying this and one's saying that over right. here and all these things. And, and he, he addresses, you know, the tongues. And yeah, he, he addresses all those things. Why? Why does he address it? Because they got to be fixed. Because of chapter 1. And verse number one, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. It was God's will. By the will of God. It was God's will. So now what? To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified, to those who are called to be saints, and with all and who every place Call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So he writes all those things to the church that's got problems. Now, I mean, it's it's you open a door and it's going to run out on you. It's got so many problems. I've not seen I've not seen a church in their infancy or in their existence today that is more even in the denomination world. That's more. And, and I'm not even because I shouldn't even consider them called a church. But what I'm saying is, I have not seen a group of people who claim to be called Christians who are more messed up than what the church at Corinth was. And and how did Paul address them? Brethren, saints. And, and so that, that's one thing I wanted to point out is is the is the fact that these people are still loved by God, and He still considers them saints, and they're still considered the church. But but they have to be moving toward a direction that gets these things out of their 
life and out of the church. Isn't it an interesting thing, Bob, to think about this? Out of all the churches in the Bible that we read about, you know, whenever we read one of the books, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all these are cities where the church is at, where the Lord's church is established. Mm-hmm. Out of all these cities where, the pro, where, the, where they write these letters to, the problems that the other churches have, whether it's in Ephesus, whether it's in Galatia, you know, over Judaizing teaching there, or whether it's in 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 Thessalonica, where the guys are are thinking that Jesus is coming back soon, so they're just going to kind of, you know, lay around and be lazy and not work, right? All those problems, like you know, those seem very fixable problems with a letter. Mm-hmm. You, you understand? They seem very fixable. Let me write you this letter and tell you what you need, how you need to understand this thing. But isn't it an awesome thing that the one that's the most messed up out of all of them gets a second letter? Yeah. And, and what you get to see in that second letter is what? An evolution of this church, a growth of this church. Yeah, how much they've gotten better. A maturation of this church. Why? Because they were trying to do what the Lord said for them to do. That's right. So whenever we look at, whenever you read the letter to the Second Corinthians, if you took that letter out and you stripped it out of there, any recognition of, of the city, you wouldn't even realize that it's written to the church at Corinth. Because of all, the only thing that points to it is the fact that maybe at the end of the book, when he talks about the man mate being, you know, this guy being made sorrow and, and the repentance that he went through, there, that we think that he's alluding to the guy in 1 Corinthians 5 that had his father's wife. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that to be sure because there's not a name associated with it in either account. Right. But what we're seeing, Bob, is a church that has said, okay, what I've got in my hands, this letter from Paul, is authoritative and it's true. It's the will of God. And if we're going to be the church, we're going to do something different. We're going to make a change. Yeah. And so that's the difference between a faithful church and an unfaithful church. There are a lot of churches. I mean, our book that we read, you know, we were doing that that uh, class last year, uh, mm-hmm. Awake at Night. You remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. We were doing that. And, mm-hmm. and the 100 um, case studies that kept shepherds awake at night. You look at those some of those things in there, and you look at that, and you're like, how in the world could this happen? Well, you know why? Because people. But what was different about those case studies and other people is that they looked at that and said, how in the world are we going to get out of this? We've got to get out of this. Don't you, don't you just shudder at some of the things that we read in that book oh, yeah. as far as happening in the church? Mm-hmm. But what was different was it's not that they were in the church. That's not the issue. It's not that they were in the church. It's what they were doing about it, Bob. Yeah. And so in order for us to understand, if we're going to be a faithful church, we cannot depart from the faith. Can't depart from the word. We can't. If any time we make a statement that says, you know, you hear a church that says, well, we've restudied the topic of whatever, instrumental yeah, music, right. uh, women's roles, um, uh, uh, um, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Whenever you hear somebody make that statement almost across the board, you're getting ready to see them depart the faith. Yeah. Because what they're saying is we've studied it long enough and we've asked enough people to where we've got the answers that we were looking for. And now we can make it we can make a change. And so anytime a church just decides, and I don't mean and I and I don't mean in, in, in any way, you pick it, right? Whether it comes from the leadership, I mean that's the first attack, that's the, that's the first stone, you know, lobbed across the bow, as it were, at the church was in its leadership. 
or whether it's in the, your, your pattern of salvation, whether it's in your assembly, how, how that you uh, assemble together, whether it's uh, whatever you want to fill in the blank with, any time that you make a marked departure, that you look at the Scriptures and say, we're not going to do that thing, you're not the church anymore. That's right. And and so what I want to go back to is sometimes we can we can look at – I look at Paul, how he had a responsibility. He took it upon – himself and and I believe he was spirit led to to write these letters to to these people but at the same time he still treated them as brethren mm-hmm. it, even they're they're so messed up and you think about this Corinth had miraculous gifts they had the spiritual gifts that were given to him and and so this is a but but I want to point out these few verses look at look at 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 6 even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, like you became Christians, no doubt. Then he calls them brethren. One ten, I plead with you, brethren. One eleven, when he's telling them, hey, there be no division among you. But one eleven, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren. He can he calls them brothers again by those of Chloe's household that there are contentions among you. So there's problems, but he's still calling them brethren. Two one, and I, brethren, when I be. When I came to you, did not come with the excellence of speech. So he's calling them brothers. Three one, he calls them brethren. And then you look at three nine. He says, "For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building." And so, you being God's building, you being God's field, and fellow workers, like you can, you can still be considered God's children and in a mess. But you gotta be working toward building up the, the building to where it's it's stable, it's, yeah, and, it's and, secure. And that's exactly why Paul addresses these issues. Like in chapter six, with the guy that's suing each other, he says, "Just suffer yourself to be defrauded." You know, just, just if if you're in the wrong, that's okay. I mean, if you're in the right and the other guy's in the wrong, and, and you got to see that we're the church. And so this command here is not, you know, even in chapter six to the brethren that's suing each other. There, he ultimately says. One of you guys are going to have to take one for the team. Yeah. Is that fair? Not necessarily. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? Like, just let yourself be cheated for your brother's sake. Because if you're going to be the church. You have to have died to yourself. You can't do. And if you die to yourself, that means that you no longer control yourself. Yeah. I crucified with who? Christ. Christ. Now that. Now that. I no longer live, but who lives in Christ me? Christ lives in me. That's right. And so if you're going to make those decisions, they've got to run in every way. That's why we said it last week. Discipleship is killing the church. You're not truly following Christ. You haven't truly died to yourself. If you're still so, so caught up in these issues that it's such a big issue that it's it's more of an issue for you to, to gain glory than the church to gain glory, then you're still living in sin. You're still living in to, to yourself. And so what what I want to point out, too, is that is it right after that, verse 9, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Oh, chapter 6? Yeah, chapter 6. Do not be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Don't let, don't let Satan lie to you or anybody else. He says that of many times in this book, too. That's right. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, men perping on men, on little boys, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And he said, and such were some of you. That gives everybody hope. 
that if you're so so messed up in your world and in your life that he says such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So in other words, once I clean up, I can't go back to those things. You're washed, you're set apart. And the blessing of it is, Bob, is how did they know that they were set apart? Somebody had to tell them. How did they wash? Somebody had to tell them. How were they sanctified? Somebody. So all the things that they were doing wrong. I, I, what I want us to do, Bob, is give confidence to leaders mm-hmm. to let them know that it's okay to call a spade a spade. The world, don't you think that that if this was a this was such a common thing that Paul could write about it, that this was such a a, a, a prevalent thing in society that Paul could write about it. Yeah, that he's that he's writing about this. So you think that don't you think there would want to be some kind of compromises made? Uh, from a cultural standpoint, they're no different than today. And he says, when you said you were washed, you were sanctified, as such as were some of you, that means that somebody had to tell them and they had to obey it. That's right. And, and so also, I don't want other listeners to get in the mindset of going, oh, well, y'all won't ever accept a thief. You won't ever accept somebody who's drunk or you won't ever accept somebody who's homosexual. You're dead wrong. And I hope that you've at least listened to this point. And watch our video being made. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. We're, we're a group of imperfect people, and we're just trying to get better. And so, but, but back to chapter 5, when dealing with unfellowship, when you're getting rid of fellowship, he's saying, I'm not telling you to never accept somebody who's coming in from the world, but if they're named your brother, they have to depart from that sin. That's right. So and, so let's read that right quick. Okay, go ahead. So 1 Corinthians 5, 9, because this affects the leadership. And, so, and this goes back to this diatrophies. Yeah. So verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexual immorally people. Why not, Chris? Well, Bob, let's see what he says. Yet I certainly didn't mean that you sexually that you didn't mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with covetous or extortioners or idolaters since you would need to go out of the world but now i've written that you keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral covetous idolater reveler drunkard or extortioner not to eat with them why because a little leaven does what bob leaven's a whole bunch and so why would why would the Apostle Paul need to explain to these guys that when somebody is caught up in one of these sins, and we're talking about lifestyle decisions here, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a term that we have today, alternative lifestyles. When we want to make a compromise on an alternative lifestyle, what we're saying is we're going to accept something extra biblical, alternative. And what he's saying is you cannot do those things anymore. When you get to the when you get to the point that you're making decisions and saying I will do those things, I will I will I will as a church. That's what he's talking about as a church here. Yeah, right. He's not writing to an individual. He's writing to the church mm-hmm. at Corinth. Mm-hmm. You cannot do those things anymore. And the reason why is that you can't be part. If you decide that you're going to continue in that lifestyle, there's no more fellowship with the church. You've done it, not the church. That's right. Ultimately, you know, First John one seven. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Like that triangle sermon mm-hmm. you preached a few weeks ago, they broke one side of the triangle. I can still be in fellowship with God. You know, you and I can still be in fellowship if we're doing what the Lord wants us to do. But if if Ben over here decides he wants to depart, there, we have no fellowship with Ben anymore because he God is what brings the fellowship in. He's not named a, a brother. He's he's been declared to be a brother or declared a sister. All right. We have the same inheritance. And so we don't have the same responsibilities in the church, but we have the same inheritance. Amen. You're, you're qualified. You, you are, you're qualified to do what God needs you to do. He's the one who created you. So 
For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? And that's the whole point that, that we in the church. But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. So get rid of whoever that is that's committing those things away from your assembly. Because And, buddy, you talking about start stepping on a, a fire ant hill. Oh, man. Because it, he tells us back in chapter 4 and verse 2, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. And so if you're going to be a steward, you're going to be a disciple, you're going to be someone who's following Jesus, we're going to have to cut bait at some point. That's right. We're going to have to make decisions and draw these lines. As because, a church. Yeah, because you're required. You're, you're required to be found faithful. And so it's church leadership to decide, okay. So, so what we have to do is we have to put, we have to put the proper people in proper leadership who's qualified under God's standards and we also have to put them, we have to surround themselves with other people who are, who are qualified because one guy can be corrupt. And so Satan, he wants, to, he wants to get rid of all this. So you think about all these commands in the Bible, then the church being subject to the, to the leadership. How far down does that erode if, if the church, if, if you have leaders up there leading and nobody's following? It's our responsibility to follow because then what we do is we establish as precedents that you guys have the decision-making yeah. ability. And I don't know at what point you draw withdraw fellowship with somebody that's sexually immoral. I mean, certainly you don't just find out they're doing something and poof, you're gone, no, right? No. There's a process you're going to work through. There's just, you know, Matthew 18, the Lord kind of gives us a process, but he doesn't give us a timeline to work in right, right there. And We're so, going to continue to love and work with them, and, but there, there's going to come a point where they're going to make that decision. So anytime then, Bob, to wrap it up, anytime that we decide as a church, and I don't care what it is, this is going to wrinkle some feathers, anytime we decide as a church that we're just not going to do what the Lord says, we're no longer the church. You're no longer the Lord's church. You can you can call yourself whatever you want, but you can put a dog in a duck parade, and he's still what? He's still a dog. We appreciate you guys turning in. <laughs>